Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 3 of Who the Hell is This For? Today, we are going to be reviewing The Lighthouse, and since that one is a bit more of a recent release, we're going to do a quick, uh, should you see it or not see it, about 10-minute spoiler-free section before we go into the rest of the podcast. After that, then we will jump back into our What We've Been Watching and then do a full review of The Lighthouse. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Excellent. Ready to talk some Defoe and Pattinson. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. God, I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess we can jump right in um, to our spoiler-free segment. I love this movie. It's not enjoyable, but it's good. Oh, it's really good. Um, basically, I think the way to sum this movie up is if you're into movie podcasts, you should go see this movie. <laughs> yeah, or have that, your own I think movie that's podcast. a really good way to do it. I think if it you're is, just a casual moviegoer, you're probably not going to like it you're going to have a bad time because it's not, it's not fun. It's not a spur of the moment movie. Like it's yeah. not like you're walking by a movie theater and you've got a couple hours to kill and you're like, maybe I'll see the lighthouse. Not the right mindset <laughs> to see this movie in. Um, I, I think, think there were a couple people in my theater who did go in with that mindset. I think Riley has a great point, which is that this, this movie is ultimately best enjoyed discussing it rather than seeing it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll have way more fun once you leave the theater, thinking about it, thinking about what you liked, thinking about what worked, etc. And I think that's where I've, I've enjoyed it the most. Um, I will say I think the final hour is more fun than the first hour. Yeah, um, and I think that's the biggest, uh, the biggest hurdle for people. You're just jumping into this movie. That first hour, if you're, especially if you're not familiar with The Witch and Eggers and the way he very deliberately paces things... You're not going to have fun for that first hour that's all just them getting to know each other and the stage being set and the setting of the lighthouse itself being developed. That like that won't draw you in unless you're looking to be drawn in by it. Like you have to want to sit there and observe every detail that's being put down because nothing in that first hour is meaningless and it all serves a purpose. Yep. I would um draw some comparisons. I mean not not Exactly, but maybe in the movie experience, the theater experience, there's a lot of world building that happens in the first hour. Um, so I would say it's very mm-hmm. similar to like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just in that aspect. I mean, nothing else is similar, but but just the it takes time to set up everything else. And so if you are okay with that, then you can kind of quote unquote make it through it. I, mean, I know Tyler, you love that. Some mm-hmm. of the rest of us are, are making it through to the next piece. Very similar experience, at least on my side. I really thought you were yeah. going to say. I really thought you were going to throw out the Jaws comparison, which would make sense because mm-hmm. well, it's he another was Tyler that, movie. And I think, yeah, and I, I think that's a pretty apt comparison, honestly. Yeah, I would agree. So, as far as if you should see this movie, you have to kind of check those boxes. You have to go in with the right mindset. Um, I do, you know, having said all that, I did have a great time. Um, I yeah. really like this movie in in retrospect. It's just a little bit different of a theater experience overall. Mm-hmm. When I say it's not enjoyable, that's not that I didn't like sitting there and watching it. Like, I did enjoy watching the movie, but the movie itself is, like, just a miserable grind in the best way. Like, it brings you into this setting, and it was, like, pretty draining. Just, yeah, it was, yeah. real heavy. It was it's a, a heavy movie. experience. Yeah. Arduous, for sure. Oh, arduous is a great. That's a that's an SAT word. 
That yep. explains why I didn't well. understand it. <laughs> <laughs> um, one one other thing I want to say about this is as far as should you see it or, or will you like it? Um, it is a movie with very few characters. I mean, essentially mm-hmm. only two. I mean, you could, you could say there's maybe maybe one or two more, but I mean, essentially it's two. Mm-hmm. And we'll um, talk about that later in the review. Right. And so if you enjoy an actor-driven movie, you know that is very much their performance, what they're doing, the physicality, the accents, etc. It's really good in that aspect. And again, I think that kind of gets into why this movie is fun to discuss, because it is such a performance. Um, and it's heavy on that and lighter in some other things like, you know, tons of action or things like that too. So yeah. do final verdicts, final verdicts. You should see it. You should see it. Maybe even see it twice. Yeah. I might go again. I don't know. <laughs> I, I oh, was might tempted. Be out of everywhere already. I, I need to see parasite before I see, uh, the lighthouse again. Yeah. There's, there's a, a number of movies I need to see before the end of the year. And I feel like. I'm bumping something else to see the lighthouse twice. Yeah, we're we're in that time of year where there are just so many good movies coming out. Yeah. One one thing I was going to ask before we get into the full review, as far as yes, we say you should see it. What does this movie lose if you don't see it in theaters? I think it loses. So a, a big part of it was that aspect ratio, and I think it you you lose some of that claustrophobic feeling of having just that small square on the screen if you're watching it at home because then it's just like you're watching something with letterboxing. I I think it's probably easier to get through at home but also could be easier for somebody to just be like, I'm going to go watch something else. I think that's – it's movies at home I think almost have to grab your attention more, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you are easily distracted and you're going to play on your phone, like The Lighthouse you can't do that with um, – you're going to miss stuff if you're not like paying attention the whole time. So I think a theater experience is better for that. Yeah. Riley, anything from you before we get into the full review? Uh, no, let's go ahead. Like I said, definitely, definitely see this movie. All right. So from here on out, All right, so if you are listening to the first portion of this, the spoiler-free part is done. We're going to get into spoilers from here on out. So if You're you hear not, all about it. If you have not seen The Lighthouse and you don't want it spoiled, pause here, go watch the movie, come back, watch the re- listen to the rest of the episode another time. Or just give us a full... Re- listen to that part again, and then just leave it, leave it playing. Just bump those numbers. Let's Maybe do it. just repeat it a couple of times. Yeah, just yeah. take your headphones out. Yeah. <laughs> but then it would just be playing louder out of your phone. <laughs> All right. Should we get into what we've been watching lately? Let's do it. I think Riley saw something recently we were going to talk about. Yeah. So yeah, Riley's got the biggest, uh, biggest movie. Yeah. The big watch for me uh, last night, I got to see Parasite. The, how do I describe this? The Korean comedy thriller, I guess. Um, probably one of the best reviewed movies of 2019 so far. Um, and that's even comparing it to the almighty Joker. 
Um, and don't forget Detective Pikachu. Oh, right. Um, I've got to, I'm trying I'm to rake it in at award season. As many spoilers as I can, but it, I mean, talk about a movie that it draws you in and then you're just, it's like, it's like a roller coaster. Like it straps you in, you go up this clicking all the way up to the drop off and then you ride it. And just afterwards, you're like, wow, what a ride. I like that. I also like that. uh, Put it on the poster. Wow, what a ride! (laughs) I really like that we included a description of what a roller coaster is. (laughs) It's important to build context. Yeah, it's true. Metaphors need explaining, Tyler. (laughs) They're. It's often said that they're better when they're explained, (laughs) like a good joke. This is funny because. (laughs) But really, I. I mean, it's. I've seen people say that it's the best movie of the decade, and I think that's just silly to say that. But it's, I would say, probably the best movie of 2019, for sure. All right. Well, I will have to see. Been some bangers this year. I'll have to see how it holds up to, uh, or if it's the one thing that can unseat Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me. End of the year spoilers, by the way. (laughs) How about you guys? Other than that, I haven't really been watching much. I watched The Host this week, um, another Bong Joon-ho um, film. You can watch it for free on Tubi um, <laughs> if you are okay with ads. Um, so that's what I did. Um, and it was really good. It's uh, So Bong Joon-ho, obviously the, the director of Parasite, uh, has also done things like Snowpiercer, if you've seen that on, on Netflix or anything like that. Um, and then The Host is another sort of creature feature family drama like it was really funny because the first 20 minutes you're like oh this is what this movie is and then it it really does switch pretty um pretty drastically into just like a family drama and the dynamics of family and stuff like that so definitely worth a watch i've been trying to get just more of a feel for bong joon ho in general i really have only seen snowpiercer um and no he's widely celebrated um has done a lot of great stuff so trying to work my way back through that catalog before i see parasite seen the host uh, but oh, so you haven't seen Snowpiercer. Good. I have not seen Snowpiercer yet. That's in the library. You should watch that like this week. It's really good. Is the Sounds host? Good. I will. Is the host class based? Also like Snowpiercer. Yeah, I would say there's not really like a higher class family or character as much as kind of this bigger entity type of thing. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. The only other thing we've been watching very different in town is Love Island Australia. <laughs> oh shit! Um, I didn't know they had an Australia which, one. It is wild. It might be more wild than the UK version. Is it also uh, on Hulu? It is on Hulu. Oh, it is shit. On Hulu. Uh, oh and I, I have been unable to stop talking in an Australian accent all week <laughs> to Sarah, uh, mostly because I love how they can take a word that ends in a single vowel, and that last vowel can actually have six or seven vowels in it. Like, you is yer. Like, <laughs> it like comes all the way back around. It's a record it's like, it's a double sound. Yeah. Yer. If you hadn't done that, I was going to ask to hear some of this Australian accent. My favorite is they, they say the word life so funny, which is life. 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 Like, <laughs> like, there's so much work that gets done in the vowels. Like <laughs> You really have to like you really have to like open your mouth wide when you pronounce it. Yeah. And like every vowel has a, either a Y or an R in it. Like leave you alone. Like is leave you alone. Like <laughs> Learn is so funny. Anyways, uh, just from you know the 
being able to hear the accents is the funniest thing. So <laughs> we've been uh, what we what we do normally on the weekends is if there's a show that one of us wants to watch and the other one doesn't is we just kind of do stuff separate but on the same couch. So I'll play video games with no sound on, and Sarah will listen to Love Island. So I've been absorbing a lot of it <laughs> that way. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I can hear their accents. <laughs> what have you been playing, Jeff? Uh, Modern Warfare mostly, um, and then a little bit of 2K. Nice, kind of the classics. Yeah, yeah, you know. I played a little bit of uh, Fable Three yesterday. Whoa, I, I had that in the in the backlog of games that were like free from Microsoft, and uh, it's it's fine. It's like really slow. Like, and I think I just unfairly I compare every game to Skyrim, and it's so unfair. Like, it's just mm. you can't do that. The only game that's ever really come close to Skyrim for me is The Witcher Three. Um, that's one I've been wanting to play. I oh, can't man. decide if I want to get it for my Xbox or if I want to get the like full switch release that just came out yeah i it probably depends on like what you like to play on like the controller mm-hmm. wise um i think it's complicated enough that you might actually want a real controller um versus the switch um but then you wouldn't be able to take it anywhere you know what I mean? and that's, so that's the thing of... i'm trying to decide if i want the graphical performance and the use of my xbox controller or be able to take it places it's a deep game i mean you can play it for it's like skyrim you can play it for hours and hours and hours well, on that note, right now I've been playing a ton of uh, Dragon Quest XI on my Switch. Yeah, what is that? I've seen you talk about that on Twitter, but I don't know what that is. Uh, so it is, and um, for anybody that also listens to Debates on Tap, uh, they talked about it on their episode as well. I know Greg from First Issue Club has also been uh, playing through the demo. It, so it's one of the most like influential JRPGs um, to ever come out. Because uh, it introduced the party system, giving people different roles, um, but it's your traditional like turn-based uh, RPG, going out fighting monsters and uh, just leveling up. But it's it's super beloved, and every game is super deep. Like there is so much going on in every every one of the games. Yeah, uh, so really digging that right now. But also, Pokemon Sword and Shield comes out this week. Uh, Really going to be hard not to pick that one up. There's so many games I want to get. I want to try Outer Worlds because I hear that's amazing. Uh, there's there's just so much. I want to try Luigi's Mansion because uh, that just seems super fun. Well, what's, what's, that, what's that one coming out um, that looks like it's uh, basically set in the Prometheus world uh, with the guy from Walking Dead? Oh, Death Stranding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that looks really good. That something. one's only is, PS4. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to ask if it was only PS4. Um, what I heard about, I just saw some Twitter stuff about it, and it's like people trying to convince you to like Death Stranding are like, yeah, you have to do menial tasks for 200 hours to carry clay pots to somebody, but then it looks like a, somebody who's been involved in English stage plays for 40 years, and they're like, yeah, that's the whole point. Like, <laughs> It's like, oh, I recognize that person. I recognize that character. But I've heard that the gameplay is like really... Tedious, right? oh. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that sucks. I kinda, it made me wonder, though. Like, I, I have a hard time if the game is not good in the first eight hours. I just can't like make. Oh, absolutely! I have point. to be hooked right away. Um, and honestly, that's what happened to me with Red Dead Redemption Two. Like, I still haven't made oh, it really? past the first eight hours. Yeah, it's just like I, like, I don't want to have to keep feeding myself and my horse and shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I think that's the level of realism realism that I've just found for myself. I, I don't need. Um, that's okay. that's fair. I hate hunger mechanics in games, but I was able to manage it for Red Dead 2. Yeah. I mean, I keep hearing great things. I, I didn't play a ton of the first one, and so maybe it's just like 
I just need to get back into it, but I've, I've got mm-hmm. plenty to keep me busy. Oh, and then Tyler, to add yeah. on to games to get, you also, we also have the Dragon Ball Z Kakarot coming out. Yes, cannot wait for that. That's going to be fantastic. <laughs> um, but to wrap up our What We've Been Watching segment, uh, earlier in the week I watched the Netflix original Eli, uh, which you've probably heard about on Twitter. Uh, people talk about it being like, kind of cliche and your typical like haunted house type thing with a couple other things for flavor. And then it makes some choices with the ending and it, it certainly does. And it, it's some of the dumbest shit I've seen in horror, but also like in the best way I had so much fun watching that movie. And then when the turn happens in the end, you're either in or you're out. And I was completely in and just like smiling through the last like 25 minutes of the movie. Cause it was so dumb, but so perfect. Interesting. I actually have not so, heard about this movie at all, other than what you. Were I tweeting. think you should. Yeah, I think you should give it a watch and let me know what you think. Um, don't look up anything about it beforehand. It's it's fun and dumb and great. And then how, last how night, long is it? Oh, um, it's just over hour and a half. I think it's ninety eight minutes. But it's also got like seven hours of credits, or seven minutes of credits. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, why would I watch that? What happens <laughs> so in hour three of the credits? <laughs> <laughs> so it's really just, it's pretty much 90 minutes. Gotcha. Um, and then the last night, did a little triple feature uh, where I, I uh, connected each of them for whatever reason. The first two were connected well, but the third one was tenuous at best, but I really wanted to watch it. Uh, first rented uh, Detective Pikachu because I'm super pumped for Sword and Shield, and I've just been wanting to watch that one again. And then I was I was like, you know what? I might as well just ride this out. And so then I watched the first Pokemon movie, or Pokemon the first mu- movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, uh, the first as its movie. Christian name. <laughs> hey And then I followed up uh, that with another lighthearted children's animation uh, movie, Acura. Uh <laughs> And God, I fucking love that movie so much. And we we're eventually going to talk about it on here. I don't know when though. Are you gonna sub out her? For I might sub out her for Akira. Unless something, unless inspiration strikes, tentatively, her is getting subbed out for Akira. DBS Broly. Oh, see, that's one I don't know if I want to make Jeff watch because he doesn't have the. Well, yeah, that's one you have to know everything, right? Yeah. What a what a terrible person on the pod I would be for that. Be like, yeah, they're screaming a lot, guys. I don't know. <laughs> One minute his hair's blue. Was mad about something. <laughs> we will eventually need to do that just so I can do a Vegeta voice throughout the majority of the episode. Fajitas. And then they become yeah. and then they become this overly sexual version of the two of them and <laughs> Oh god, he's so sexual. Yikes. But anyway. Tell me, what have you been watching last week? <laughs> all right should we actually review this movie people what's your standout about... scene kakarot <laughs> people been listening to us talk about movies from 10 years ago in <laughs> video games they're never gonna play so let's probably get into it yeah obviously Catherine's i really like that we today added... <laughs> yep <laughs> she's a little under the weather so she is uh in the other room with the door shut so we are left to our own devices it's gonna be uh, another ep- upgrade episode <laughs> speaking of Lee one L favorited my tweet talking about the Invisible Man trailer, trying to get Mama, him to come on the it. pod. Mama, we made it. Yeah, come Wondering on. If he'll come on so we can just talk about upgrade again or Field of Dreams. Oh, yeah, Lee one L come on the pod and talk about Field of Dreams. 
Perfect. All right. Uh, who wants to take us away with a plot synopsis of The Lighthouse? Tyler, I think you got this one since you're wearing the stocking hat. You're in the most <laughs> lighthouse attire. This is fair. I do have the like dock worker rolled up beanie and just a Willem Dafoe beard going on. Uh, let me find a good synopsis here. Just because if I try and freehand it, it's well, actually, this one's not bad. Two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. To that, I will add a little more detail. Uh, there's a huge power dynamic, and Willem Dafoe's character is the one who mans the lighthouse. Uh, Robert Pattinson is a new hire who does all the menial shit work and really wants to manage the light, but Willem Dafoe will not let him. Uh, so we, it, it all kind of stems from there and how they have a very love-hate relationship uh, with a lot of undertones that we'll talk about. And then they just kind of lose their shit. Yeah. yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Okay. All right, so rotten reviews of this movie, which so overall pretty well liked because I'm it's sitting at a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, but the people who don't like it do not like this movie, which totally makes sense. But we've got the light Mark Duschick from Mark Reviews Movies. The Lighthouse is for better and for worse a maddening experience indeed. It's just fair. The uh, that's it. That's the entire review. Oh no! I mean, Rotten Tomatoes just pulls out like a quick hit sentence from it. Uh, okay. Um, because they are like full page reviews. A mesmerizing vi- oh, this is Jeff Mitchell of the Phoenix Film Festival. A mesmerizing visual feast and a rudderless waste of time. All right, and then the big one, old Susan Granger from SSG Syndicate. Hermione. This is this is the pull line from her review. A turgid, miserable, homoerotic dirge. So I tried to do some digging. I can't tell if Susan Granger is a Christian movie reviewer or not, but if she is, I could not imagine any, like, good sense media or whatever the, like, wholesome family sites are that review movies. I can't imagine any of them enjoying this movie at all. So that that's fair. Well, she has articles published in Playboy, so I don't think she's a oh. Christian. Okay. Yeah. Susan Granger, you minx. Uh, Actually, that's where a lot of the highest quality articles are posted, if you guys read the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> this is all according to SusanGranger.com, so I assume it's the same person. Yes, SusanGranger.com is the uh, is that website. Also, I think SSG Syndicate is just... Susan something Granger syndicate. Susan Susan. Oh, guys, we can book her as a speaker. Uh (laughs) Susan, come on the pod and talk about Field of Dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she appeared as a child actress in movies with Abbott and Costello, Red Skelton, Lucille Ball, and they really buried the lead here, and Lassie. (laughs) Well, she gave a 7 out of 10 to Terminator Dark Fate, so... Oh, my. Actually, I'm hearing that's a pretty accurate score. I hear it's not terrible. Oh, here's another one. Seven out of ten of Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Oh well. Oh, seven oh, out oh of boy. ten. Seven out of ten for Gemini Man. Oh God. Is she just a seven out of tenner? <laughs> no, she gave Rambo two out of ten, which makes sense. Eight out of ten to Downton Abbey. Uh, eight out of ten to Ad Astra. Seven out of ten to It Chapter Two. Interesting. 
I didn't her, ever see it, it chapter two, but from everything I heard, it was like dumb. In really, yeah. I didn't think it was that bad. Okay, I think it's just a little, I, it, a little worse really than funny. the first one. It's really funny that her scale is similar to my scale from uh, the previous season before we did our year-end review, where I was Every- taken to task over my rating system. <laughs> Seven out of ten to Gora or <laughs> God, to Dora in the Lost City of Gold. Uh, let's see. You think we should move on? Yeah, let's go. No. Instead of just reviewing Eight out of Susan Grange's for- <laughs> reviews. <laughs> Seven out of ten to crawl. Maybe she doesn't have bad taste after all. Yeah. Okay. See, this is why I don't she get. She seems though. to like dumb action. She so she's saying crawl is equally as good as Maleficent the sequel. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Correct. Anyways, what did we like about the lighthouse? Everything. This all right. Next was, category. <laughs> this movie was made for us. If you if you yeah. listen to the first part of this podcast, Riley makes a great point, which is that. This movie is for people who do movie podcasts. It's, it's for film Twitter. Yeah, it is a hundred percent. Yeah, um, I think there are there's like three elements that I think like come into play when people are talking about film Twitter. Yes, there's like a, an engaging plot and stuff like that, but even outside like plot or story, the three things that people seem to really go on is cinematography, acting performances. Oh fuck, what's the, what was the third one I was going to say? Um, Number of seagulls. Yes. Um, no, I no number, say, like, number of I think I was going to say like Ooh. director. Like you know what I mean. Like people are key on very specific directors and like their vision for stuff. So it seems like those three: cinematography, actor, and director. Like the people, people really personify movies. And I think this is a movie that people have personified as a Robert Eggers, Willem Dafoe, and Robert Pattinson movie. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like I, yeah. I don't. I don't hear people talk about this as like, oh, you're gonna go see that new sea shanty movie, or you're gonna <laughs> see that new black and white movie. Like people are talking about it because of the people who are involved with it, and not that this movie wouldn't be good. Like you could probably do a version of this movie with other people, but it just wouldn't have the same draw. Like this is a movie that is like very movie star driven, um, which is funny because we're kind of at this age where it's more like IP driven. Like this is not mm-hmm. any kind of IP, which is kind of refreshing. Um, very refreshing like going into it and this just being a totally original property was fucking awesome right and uh, I think you made a really good point like the casual moviegoer isn't going to scope out a specific director's work when it hits theaters or streaming they're just gonna be like yeah I heard that movie was good I'll give it a watch and there's nothing wrong with that approach but I mean it's just a different way of how you find the movies you're looking for Uh, whereas like you know, you you get to become a fan of specific directors, like I am with John Carpenter. Like the, I think the biggest comparison that could be made for your casual moviegoer, nine out of ten times, it would be Spielberg. But they don't go because it's Spielberg; they go because it's the biggest blockbuster. Right. I mean, I I would say there's probably a couple of directors that people just know by name that they would think about going to see. Mm-hmm. But honestly, also, a lot of those have done, like, the big IP, and they're doing more IP, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, like Spielberg's not actually doing the new Jurassic Park stuff, right? No, he is not. Right, but people know that was Spielberg, and so they go expecting mm-hmm. the same type of thing, and, and maybe are, are disappointed because of it. I don't know. We should probably check and make sure that's actually right. Look at James Cameron. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to bring up. Right. As soon as you said that, that's what I thought. Because James Cameron... And so I I do think it. I may have misspoke. The casual moviegoer does have very... There are like different few, types of directors. Yeah, and they all kind of come from the same pool. But James Cameron is absolutely one of those. 
But people go to James Cameron stuff for totally different reasons, depending on what your experience with movies is. Right. I mean, I would say like, it's hard to know like how much people are going specifically because of a director. Like I think Mm -hmm. if you said Steven Spielberg, people know who Steven Spielberg is. They can probably name a couple Steven Spielberg movies if they're not like deeply, deeply into movies. Yeah, exactly. James Cameron, I'm I'm like on the edge of whether or not people would be like, yeah, I know exactly what a James Cameron movie is. I think if you're a specific, so saying Spielberg, people would know Spielberg pretty much whoever. Now, if you're like a sci-fi fan, even just a casual sci-fi fan, you're going to know James Cameron because he's had his hand in everything. Aliens, Terminator, and I mean, for better or worse, Avatar. Like people, I, I would say people know James Cameron and do seek out his work specifically. Which, as a note, James Cameron still wasn't even the best director uh, of his marriage. Catherine Bigelow beats the shit out of him ten times out of ten. <laughs> yeah, no, no argument there. Um, <laughs> we need to watch Near Dark, you guys. Yeah. It's Bill Paxson as a vampire. Some other stuff that I thought really worked well in this, right? We're, we're oh, yeah, talking we're talking about the, about the lighthouse. We're kind of talking about the state of movies, you know, and how this represents some of that stuff to you. Um, I want to get into some of the performances. Um, since we were talking about how performances really drive, you know, at least film Twitter, they're really, really into that. And um, this is two film Twitter darlings, right? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Will- Willem Dafoe is a is a movie star. I don't know if you would say he's exactly A-list, but he's been like B-list. You know, I would say I'm something of an A-lister myself. <laughs> but I would say like he he's had staying power, right? Like you, some people are A-list for like five years and they drop off the map, mm-hmm. right? And then I would say Willem Dafoe has been in the supporting actor category his whole life he's obviously done some main stuff too Mm -hmm. but like he is like one of the best non-main actors yeah 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 much better way to say it correct correct and and pattinson you know has done leading man and now seems to be kind of in the he's made his money he's into character acting right Mm -hmm. and so it's so fun to see like two people kind of just cook you know what i mean like they're just they're just building off each other and um it's so cool to see them like get to work together. And so many, so many of their scenes are off of each other. I will say that Willem Dafoe doesn't get very many solo scenes. Like he's, he's got a couple, but he's mostly like off in the background. And then Robert Pattinson is like pining after what he gets to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I loved the performances in this. Obviously Dafoe is, is unhinged and just amazing in that kind of start to finish. And Pattinson really builds, um, when, when it breaks for Pattinson is fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Just an absolute fucking powerhouse of a monologue. Yeah. I really, when this comes out, I, I will want to watch it start to finish again, but I really want to start like halfway through and mm-hmm. just, and really like dive into those because I felt like we talked about it before, like because this movie is, uh, you're kind of just going through it. Like you're part of the grind. And so like when it finally kind of does release, it, it does a lot like very quickly. And so I feel like there's stuff that happened that I was amazed by that like I don't even I haven't even like retained. You know what I yeah. mean? That I would love to go back and revisit. Something else I wanted to bring up, which shows how it's the writing, directing, and the performances all together. But this movie was fucking funny. This was such a funny movie. And like it was on purpose. Like people argued if parts of Midsummer were supposed to be funny or not. I think it couldn't be more clear that all of the humor in this was intentional. Yeah. And you, you need it, right? Like you, mm-hmm. it's, if it was just straight, straight horror, straight 
dread. tension, et cetera. Yeah, yeah dread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I think this movie would be too weighty. Um, so yeah. you need those little releases, absolutely. And they balance it so well because they, like, they have such a funny scene of, you know, Willem Dafoe being hurt that uh, Ephraim doesn't like his cooking and then launches into an all-time fucking monologue that is absolutely terrifying. And then it ends with Ephraim... Have it your way. I like your cooking. And it's just, it. Yeah. it's like none of that happened. And it's just fucking funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and your farts. <laughs> <laughs> Smell like jism. There are, there's a lot of farting in this movie. A so much farting, farting. Which, unfortunately, uh, I should save this for what it does, what we didn't like in this movie. It was all post. I, I am a little hurt by that. I wish it had been uh, Willem Dafoe just... Yeah, just on demand, pumping out beefers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> if anyone could do it, it'd be Willem Dafoe. Can you imagine Eggers? Or Eggers wouldn't do this. He'd send, like, the prop guy in, which the prop guy had a hell of a time in this movie. But he'd go in with just, like, a turkey baster and blast some air into Willem Dafoe's beehole, and then just let him rip. <laughs> this conversation's really getting away from us. Riley, what did you think really worked well on this? <laughs> this movie? is again, it's the upgrade episode of season two. <laughs> um, what I liked about one every season. What I liked about this is the way it created all these theories of what the movie stood for, and mm-hmm. how it created this discussion that everyone has had after you know after you see the movie, you're like, well, because I've seen theories of Robert Pattinson was it was just himself at different stages in his life. Um, mm-hmm. there's the whole, I'm going to butcher the names, so I'm not going to say them, but there's like this whole Greek mythology of Pattinson has a certain guy and Defoe has a certain mm-hmm. guy. Um, uh, Prometheus. Pr- pr- yeah, thank Prometheus you. and Protus. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I just like movies like that where you can sit and discuss like the symbolism or possible theories of things like that. Yeah. And you know what I think works really well with that? Typically, you get movies like that, and everybody's like arguing, like you're wrong, I'm right, like this is how it is, my interpretation is correct, like clearly they put all of this in the movie, and this is what we're supposed to get away from it. That doesn't happen with this movie. Like so much of it is just open to personal interpretation, and there are a few key things that it alludes to, like the Promethean myth. Um, but I mean, you can you can take away what so much of it is supposed to mean, just depending on how you see it. Right. Absolutely. I think a scene that should be brought up and not necessarily a standout scene, but just it's kind of how you were talking the roller coaster that the top of the hill for this movie and where you start to start that descent is when Ephraim kills the seagull because everything is very metered and controlled up till that point. And suddenly it's like frenetic and wild and he's just beating the hell out of that seagull. Yeah, that scene was tough. Actually. Bad luck like to I... kill a seed bird. Like I know it's I know it's fake and I know it's a prop, but mm-hmm. like the continued like beating of it on the the hull of the well or whatever, mm-hmm. like like kind of got to me a little bit. I was like, oh, yeah, it's man. like it's disconcerting. Yeah, it was it was tough because it almost starts out a little bit slapstick, and like it's almost kind of funny when he bashes it, and then he just keeps going and keeps going, and it's like you it's see it turning into a pulp, and you're like, holy shit, like just fucking mangled seabird. So Robert Eggers, uh, just keep using animals in your movies. They're great every time. Um, I have a couple of things I want to say about just kind of 
how this is shot and, and stuff like that um, before we get into what it didn't do well. So I have some notes here. Um, don't quote me. This is just what I found on the internet. But I thought just it was really interesting. They're saying this was shot in Nova Scotia, um, which makes sense because it's supposed to be like northern New England anyways, right? Um, mm-hmm. They said they shot it over 34 days, and because they were kind of out exposing the elements, there was like very little shelter for them to like be in while they were shooting it. So it was like really tough while they were shooting for everybody involved, um, which I think always makes for interesting movies. Like when there's like stories about how the production goes, it seems to kind of flow like into the movie um, as long as they're able to still do it. Um, and then a couple other things, like obviously this is shot in, in black and white. They shot in a very specific aspect ratio of that square. They're using old lenses to try to do this. Um, and they're using obviously film you know what I mean? Black and white film Mm -hmm. versus doing this digitally. Um, And the type of film that they were using is supposedly like really, really like not very sensitive to light. And so to get that contrast, you have to use these huge bulbs to get like a ton of light. So they're using like 500 to 800 watt bulbs. It's like a regular, regular bulbs, like 60 watts. So I mean, it's these huge bulbs right in the faces of the actors. And so they were like, they're basically acting blind like a lot of the time, like in the scenes where it's really is up like close to their face, they're just making facial expressions basically to like a blinding light. Like they can't see anything. And so I thought that was really impressive, right? Like when you're acting and you like don't really have something to actually build off of, you're like, you're building off of basically not being able to see Mm -hmm. and still being able to deliver the performances they did. I thought was, was really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think something that, uh, you touched on a little bit uh, with kind of the harshness of the filming conditions with this movie. But I remember back when this was first being made and uh, Pattinson and Defoe like kind of just resurfaced out of nowhere and uh, people asked about the movie they were filming and they were talking about how um, they were doing a film with uh, Eggers and, you know, they were getting blasted with freezing water and like buried in the dirt and just like how just brutal filming this movie was. And, you know, that like, then the movie went into post-production and, you know, so that there was such a break in time from when that occurred to when the movie came out that I forgot that um, they had talked about all of this. But then I saw the scene where Defoe is getting buried and it all came back. and I was like, God damn, just this was just had to have been just a brutal film to make. Just the physicality of it is is very impressive. You know what I mean? Like, there's, Oh, yeah. Especially, and this is not a snap against anything that's, you know, there's so many movies today that are, are really, they're made in a studio, they're made with green screen. It's just a different experience. And I think that has its whole list of things where it's hard to act because you don't know what's actually around you, right? But, I mean, it's it's really crazy in this day and age to, like, go and actually do some of the physical stuff yourself as the actor. So it's always cool when you actually get to see that. Yeah, Absolutely. Do we have anything else we want to touch on in what we liked about this movie? I think that's about it. I feel like we pretty much covered it. So let's let's move on to a much shorter segment of what we didn't really dig about this movie. What didn't work for us? Well, I think kind of the overlaying thing that we all kind of agree on is maybe the first hour. Um, it's just a, just a smidge slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, now now watching the movie, you know what it's building up to, and yeah. that's definitely one of those things on a rewatch that I, I would imagine isn't going to bother people as much because you mm-hmm. you can pick up on little things 
that are alluding to what's about to happen. And so that's why I wondered if it would hold up on a rewatch or not for that first hour, just because for me, I like, I liked it and I liked what it did with the first hour, but now knowing what's coming, I'm almost wondering if plan on skipping it, I see, I don't think I'm going to skip it, but part of me is wondering like, will it have the same impact or will it feel a lot slower now that I know what's coming? So it'll just be interesting to see which way that falls. I expect you're probably right though, Riley, and it will still, you know, hold your attention because you're just trying to pick out things that it's setting up for. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, it's something that the movie didn't do well as much as it's a very clear reason why someone wouldn't like it. You know what I mean? Like if, mm-hmm. if someone was watched this movie and hated it, that's exactly what they're not going to like about it. They're not going to like that. It takes so long to get there and it is a slow burn and it's a descent into madness, which you can't just do like that. Right. Like there are too many movies where the person goes crazy, like in the first 20 minutes and the rest of it is just like the impact. And you're kind of like, mm-hmm. that's not really what the story is supposed to be. Like, this is know. the so, Joker movie we deserved. This is the Joker movie we deserved. Robert Pattinson is the Batman. Uh, maybe Robert Pattinson is the Joker. We should have switched it around. Yeah. Willem Dafoe is Thomas Wayne. Joaquin Phoenix as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine a less likable Bruce Wayne than, than Joaquin Phoenix? He uh, would do a great job. I just don't yeah. know. If, yeah. Uh, Kevin Spacey. Um, James oh, Woods. Shit. Oh, shit. Okay. 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 <laughs> Let's All move better. on. Yeah. Uh, but really, I, I think the pacing was really the only problem here, and it wasn't even a problem. It was a choice that isn't going to work for everyone. There were a couple of scenes that I think fit, but are, like, I don't actually know where they end up, like, fitting. So I might save that, but one of the things I'm thinking of is, like, the, I might need someone to explain it to me, the Little Mermaid figurine. I don't know if I understand it. Like, I get the connection to to mermaids and the call of the sea Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, but does it have any other meaning? So I think it was, I think it was just, like, a totem um, like just whatever the previous guy had, uh, it was just a totem he had there. And then it became the object of both his and Ephraim's affection when he found it. And I, I don't think there was a ton of meaning there. I think it was just him. Like it was him looking at just this little figurine and then fantasizing in his head about just banging a mermaid. I, and I'm sure there is probably some deeper meaning, but at the same time, there could be no meaning there other than just like the lengths a dude at sea goes to crank his hog. Yeah. Like, Learned a lot about the anatomy of a mermaid. Yeah. Yeah. The answer may surprise you. <laughs> Women's bodies are confusing. <laughs> I'm just, that's, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> Thank you for explaining the joke. I don't know how to come so back that from no, that poll quote. No one be, <laughs> let no one be confused. <laughs> I know how things oh, work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Stand out? Let's move. Yeah, move into standout scene. So are we just going to talk about Hark? Yeah, we, we got to get that one out of the way first because I think we could all pick out different scenes other than that one. But that's... Just incredible. Willem Dafoe dives into just an insane fucking monologue. The lighting in that scene is insane. His facial acting is incredible. 
and just Robert Pattinson's response to all of it and just like totally shell shocked from what's happening. Yeah. Oh, this is probably, sorry. This is one thing that just popped into my head that I thought about right after the movie. And this has nothing to correlate, but when, after I watched this movie or during, I was like, this is one tonal shift, you know, music color away from being a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> absolutely some quirky music in the background right. absolutely also you know what this i was gonna say could be but really just is if you change just a couple things and shift it one direction i'll wait till jeff has his headphones back on really killing my point here oh he's going all right uh this this is essentially just mac and dennis move to the suburbs exactly <laughs> like i it's so it's so perfect and just the way they lose their shit. Like, you ever been in a storm like that, Wally? <laughs> Hark, Wally. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, yeah, sorry I, to get off on that tangent. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. I think so one let's of my, let's pick some different scenes. So one of mine, I'm between two, and I don't want to cheat, but I am. Um, so I really like the the first time that you see like Defoe with the lighthouse where he's like, he's cause he's standing like naked in front of it. Right. Yeah. 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 And cause Pattinson then Robert looks, Pattinson is looking at his cakes. Yeah. And he's like, mm. yeah. So I, I thought that was so engaging because it's like, um, there's like an element of like worship of the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. The lighthouse obviously represents, you know what I mean? Something, um, this undesirable, not this, this desirable thing, this unattainable thing. Mm-hmm this thing that you can't understand, you know what I mean? And it's this this romantic love and like pining after kind of love of what it is. Um, and it just really represents like full desire, um, which I thought was really just a really interesting thing. So like, I thought that scene played it really well. And then mm-hmm. the other scene that I'm between is like after he finally um, killed, what's Willem Dafoe's character's name? Tom. Tom. So after Ephraim kills Tom and he like like basically disintegrates into like coral or you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, the Triton when he turns into, well, Neptune, whichever God of the sea he turns into. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think he turned, I think he's supposed to turn into Protus, which is Poseidon's son. So it's uh, like okay. Okay. The old man of the sea type of thing. Um, so he's like calling on, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know enough of the mythology to know if like Triton and Neptune and Poseidon are all like the same thing with different names <laughs> or, or what, but he's like calling down a curse. And if it, if he is Protus, then it's like his dad, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? It's like the spirit of the sea. And so, um, I don't know. Those two were really affecting to me. Something I just thought about that I hadn't thought about until now, uh, until you said your first scene is I really like the, the idea that Robert Pattinson wouldn't have given a shit about the light or had any, like there would have been no desire for it had Willem Dafoe not been so protective of it. Like, and then it built this whole thing up in his head. And as he's losing his mind, finally seeing it fucking pushes him past the point. It's, I don't know. I, I love what this movie did. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, I'll go ahead. My other standout scene and it's a weird one to pick. I'm going to address that right now. But the the scene where he's just pounding off in the uh, boiler room and like chugging the whiskey or chugging the 
vodka and like shoveling shit into the boiler room. It's like cutting between that and the mermaid and him going to town on himself and like the close up shot of him like chugging the bottle and his eyes are all fucking wild and he's got the hat on like folded up Paddington style. Um, and just, like what that scene does. And I almost think I might be combining two scenes. I'm not sure <laughs> at this point, the, the masturbation um, scenes in general. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, even that, so you had the first one, which was very reserved and like him just like pulling on his pud, like, yeah, all right. I guess I've been here a while. Better take care of this. And, like, he starts out the movie as this, like, super reserved, like, won't drink, like, all of that. And then this other scene is a complete 180, and he's a fucking madman. And It's the kerosene. Just, yeah. Love love a good kerosene and honey. But I, I don't know. I think that's where it shows that he has just, like, mentally broken at that point, And that everything that comes after that... He is no longer sane for. Yeah, agree. Yeah, um, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm just gonna go with the ending then for my other one, um, just because like him finally getting up to the lighthouse and being basically, I don't know, Indiana Jones by staring into the light mm-hmm. of the Ark. Um, well, and then they like like distort his screams, like blow out the speaker. Oh, and it's it, so and it just like, it just totally like shakes you because it's, it's very almost disturbing. Yeah, no, it's chilling. As and, then hell. It, and then it quick cuts to him falling down the lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> I also really liked in the end, like the whole, like, sorry, the dog's eating my feet. Um, the, when Tom starts gaslighting Ephraim, but you don't know if he's actually gaslighting him or if Ephraim is insane. Right. And he did do all these things and imagine that it was, uh, it was Tom. Like, I don't know. It, well, cause yeah, it adds it, so much to that scene. It, yeah, it really does get to a point where you're, you don't know who's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it works really well because it opens it up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. And then it opens the rest of the movie up till that point. You go back and you watch through it again and all the stuff he's complaining about with uh, with Tom doing, you're like, well, maybe Ephraim was this really shitty worker who uh, just sucked and all the stuff that Tom wrote in his notebook was correct. So I, I don't know. I just I Secrets like how of they the play with it. Really makes you think. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we want to try and do letdown scene? Because I don't I, really have one. Yeah, I. I think every scene is pretty much. I guess has worth to it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it's a letdown scene. I'm not sure. I loved the masturbation scenes. Um. <laughs> I mean, you don't enjoy them, but they're they're good and they serve a purpose. Also, because Mas- Robert masturbation Pattinson just. Masturbation. You don't love it, but it's good and it serves a purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Robert Pattinson just loves cranking his hog in movies, apparently. Can't wait for... It's uh, it's a signature. That 2 a.m. Can't wait for the Batman, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Alfred, don't you knock? (laughs) Get out! He switches to the Batman (laughs) voice. (laughs) All right. Dom Hall Gleason Award. 
So I don't even know if we can do. Well, this how about one. this one? Yeah. Let's the seagull. Let's do instead of you know our usual. Let's do who did you like more, Robert Pattinson or Willem Dafoe? Ooh, okay. Defoe. I gotta say Defoe. Same. I think it's close he's, though. It's but just, he's in it for less time, so his scenes like per capita, he's got he's got better mm-hmm. better scenes, better lines, better acting. But that's also not to like downplay anything that Pattinson did, because Pattinson's performance is lights out too. Oh yeah. It's just like Defoe's untouchable in this movie. He's got Pattinson's got so much more like between stuff that he has to do like a lot of the story mm-hmm. i mean it's obviously from his point of view it's all building through him and so he just doesn't have like he probably has the same number of good scenes but defoe is more memorable because he has less of the like rudimentary stuff mm-hmm. also i i read this before so this is not my own thought but i thought it was really interesting so if defoe is supposed to be proteus protus fuck um, then what that's supposed to represent is it's not like just a god of the sea. It's supposed to represent like the unpredictableness of the sea. So, which I thought was really interesting because his character is very unpredictable. Like he goes basically like it's like waves, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's moving back and forth between when they're drunk, they're like best friends and they're like mm-hmm. really getting along. And then when it's during the day, he's like a taskmaster and like really, you know what I mean? Like getting yeah. on for not doing stuff right. And so it's like, you never really know what his character is and there's some perspective of that of like right where which one of them is actually real like w- mm-hmm. is the stuff that's happening at night like actually real or is the stuff that's happening in the day really real which one is he imagining type of thing uh something else that we haven't touched on other than just that one rotten review uh that i thought was really good is the whole like underlying attraction between the two of them yeah and, is like, this like an unrequited love story right and it's like yeah. well i think that has to do with yeah, them just being locked in, mm-hmm. uh, where they're stranded like, we on each island. Other. We love each other. Are we in love with each other? Do we want to kill each other? Like, well, they're both incredibly horny. Weird feelings. So. They're both ha- yeah. Oh, they're so horny. <laughs> this is an incredibly horny movie. Might be top. This might be the horniest movie of the year. We even we even dip into some he- Rise hen- of Skywalker hasn't come out yet, but <laughs> we even we'll see. dip into some hentai themes with the tentacles. Yeah, we do. And that so weird connection to make there, but you said tentacles, and I one thing I wish this movie had done more. I do like that it was subtle and not really a part of the movie. You could interpret it this way if you wanted. Um, but the the Cthulhu mythos, I think this movie was prime for it. The people like you know trying to understand something greater than themselves and losing their mind, and you pair that with the setting of them in the lighthouse by the sea. I think. That's not the movie Eggers wanted to make. I do think if there had been more of that, though, I would have fucking dug the hell out of it. I think that's what I really expected this movie to be when I went in. So I think Mm -hmm. there was part of me like immediately leaving the theater that was a little bit disappointed because I kind of thought this was like a I knew it was a descent into madness, but I also thought there was like some monster element to this, which like. Maybe the whole metaphor is like they're really the monsters. You know what I mean, like that kind of mm-hmm. dumb thing. But the um, the trailer really paints it in that light. Y- yeah, you you kind of think like oh, there's something evil happening on this island that they're like can't get away from, or they're going to be like haunted by, and that just doesn't really materialize. Um, and I don't. The movie is obviously very different if it has that mm-hmm. in there, right? So I don't really mm-hmm. know that I should say that it, it should have done that or it shouldn't have done that. But I would maybe like to see that movie. Um, yes, I very much want to see that movie. Right, like just give me both of these movies, but then 
make one of them about a monster. Well, it turns but, but it, well, of... it turns out that the sea monster was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> um, something that I uh, so that you, that made me think of this, Jeff. Uh, you know, I mentioned a color out of space a while back, um, and the trailer just dropped for that. But Spectre Vision, who is Elijah Wood's company that made a color out of space, they want to do more Lovecraft movies, and I think there's a lot there for them to do. And I think we could get the movie that we kind of thought we might be getting with this from them. And I would, I would love that. Yeah. I would, I would love that too. I mean, some of the best, best stuff is you don't ever actually ever see the monster. Like you see the impact Mm -hmm. of the monster and you can tell that like just beyond the dark, there is a monster there. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think that's what I really miss is there, there wasn't any like, Oh, what's that? Like moments. Yes, really. So should we go ahead and move on into our, what do we got next? Listener question. Listener question. That is right. And I, that's right. That's why I opened uh, my computer to pull up Twitter or uh, my computer is open. I should have just been burping throughout this review. That's okay. (laughs) I've got them up. Do you want me to, yeah, go ahead. So, our listener question was, what celebrity or public figure, living or dead, would you most want to work a 19th century lighthouse with? Uh, and at Turd Emoji, uh, who, by the way, did a whole rundown of, he did a horror movie a day in October. If you guys haven't checked that out, he has some really good picks on there. Uh, but he picked Laszlo from The Buzz, which I don't know if I would enjoy that. Seems like a rough, that's a rough month stuck in that lighthouse. It seems like basically the existence of this movie, like, yeah, <laughs> just yelling at you for not getting things done while not doing anything himself. Anyways, uh, Ep at Johnny underscore Eppleseed uh, gave us Nick Offerman, which would be fantastic. I'm I'm on board with that idea. Uh, and Brendan at Brendan DPT from uh, Debates on Tap, uh, he uh, gave us Chris Pratt. Excellent. And Chris Pratt would be wildly inefficient, I think. Well, it depends on which Chris Pratt. Yeah. Are we getting Zero Dark Thirty Chris Pratt? Are we getting Season 1 Parks and Rec Chris Pratt, which is just me? Like, and I'm useless in a lighthouse. So. Who's to say? Who's to say? What do you guys think? Are we, okay, so are we picking to actually run the lighthouse well? Or who we just be stranded for a month? Uh, who who would you like to be stranded for a month with drinking gasoline and honey? I think you have to perform your lighthouse duties, though, because otherwise mm. people die on the rocks if you don't maintain the lighthouse. Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fired. <laughs> so so Poseidon doesn't strike me down. I, I would like to see Marshawn Lynch doing the uh, Triton monologue. Absolutely. <laughs> Orc! <laughs> yeah uh interesting pick interesting pick it's a good pick i like it he's a real workhorse too so i think he could yeah, he's handle strong as hell so yeah he could handle the ecos and earthquake he could handle the physical duties and you could go and have the light all to yourself all right jeff what about you so i asked living or dead to try to figure this out <laughs> um and uh i have a pick that I think would really backfire on me, but I'm going to make it anyways. And I'd like to have uh, Bourdain out there. Oh, man. 
I think it'd be that, some interesting conversations. I think he'd get tired of me real quick. Uh, oh, but yeah. he'd also make good lobster. <laughs> he would make good lobster, and that's one of the primary reasons I'm bringing him out there. If we're going to smoke all day and eat lobster, I want it to be good lobster. Yeah, God, Bourdain, Bourdain's a great pick. Now, you know, you're going to be stuck here for a while, and you're going to want somebody that's easygoing. Oh. It's fun to be around. Well, <laughs> well, who do you think? I just assumed you were going to Kurt Russell. Yeah, you know what? And I thought that too at first, because that's the obvious answer. But, you know, we just you need the nicest celebrity there is. Oh, He's a real good, sweet guy who's been in some classic fucking movies. Um, and he's, you know, he's traveled the world. He's met the Looney Tunes. Brendan Fraser, man. Let me just live in this lighthouse with Brendan Fraser, drinking this cheap vodka and eating lobster. So and he'd, after a while, he'd be wearing run, a cowboy hat the whole time. After a while, they run out of vodka, though, right? And they're just adding yeah, and then you drink honey gasoline. to kerosene. Yeah. That's Oof. fine. Me and Brendan will be all right. He wouldn't kill a seabird. Best stay away uh, from them. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Brendan Fraser is a great pick. Uh, so I win. Uh, ratings. Uh, who the hell? Oh, yeah. Ratings. What the hell are you rating this? I think this is an eight. Okay. I'm going nine. I wasn't sure what. Okay. And I'm going nine as well. I wasn't sure which way you guys were going to go because I. It's real close, but it's not a 10 for me just because of some of that pacing, which is a choice and is on purpose, but still just a little bit. It's not my go to for something like this, but it, it's an incredible piece of film. Absolutely. It's definitely a top five of the year so far. I think it'll be hard to like, there was, there was some good stuff that came out this year. Um, I think there's stuff that came out at the beginning of this year. That's going to surprise people. Like I forget that us was this year. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, that seems like so long ago. So I think when we get to year end, it'll be, it'll feel a little bit different, but um, I think it's in my top five for now. Jeff so, raised his hand and then froze. There we go. Eight, nine, and nine for this movie. Yes. Pretty high. Pretty high. Is this our highest rated across the board of the year? Well, I mean, of the season, yes. Because we'll we've done three movies. Well, but. <laughs> we'll have to double check the, the document. Yes. Um, okay. Who the hell is this movie for? Three movies you would like if you liked this movie. Oh, gosh. Um, who's starting? I, Not I. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll take one, uh, just because it's a softball. Yeah, Descent into Madness. That's a good one. Even though I'm not a huge Shining guy. Um, I'm going to go with Annihilation. Uh, there's a lighthouse in Annihilation. Yeah, the lighthouse double feature. Right. Um, but also a, a descent into madness for everybody involved. Um, way more fun to sit through. Um, but just as like philosophical, just as... Uh, I don't know what Anni- like what um, myth kind of correlates with Annihilation. I think it's a little bit of, a, of its own thing. But there's mm-hmm. definitely like callbacks to... Who who is the self? Like how do you tell like who a person really is? Like that kind of thing. Okay. Um Yeah, absolutely. 
I read that this was Edgar's favorite horror movie, so I'm going to go with Nosferatu. Ooh. Which, yeah, so it's rumored that he is eventually going to do a version of Nosferatu, which would be fucking insane. Oh, yeah. Him doing that would be wild. Also, it would be impossible to understand. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Number two. I'm I'm just running through movies that we reviewed on the pod that I rated low, probably lower than I should have. <coughs> Going with uh, There Will Be Blood. Okay. You you get a lot of that character driven monologue, and Dan Daniel Plainview is just losing his mind to the drink. And I drink your milkshake. <laughs> I've got another one that we've already reviewed. Um, some Descent into Madness, and then some Unreliable Narrator, which I know we talked about last week is not one of Tyler's favorite devices, but Shutter Island um, oh, would probably God. be a good comp yep. with this. I think you could, I mean, that's also another lighthouse. Modern Island. Right, another lighthouse. <laughs> so I think a good triple feature could be the lighthouse, Shutter Island, and Annihilation. Yeah, you can count me out for Shutter Island. That's when I'm going to take my nap. <laughs> you, I forget what you rated that one. Did you really not like that one? I wasn't a fan of it. I actually, I don't know if I rated that one because I DNF'd it. Oh, that's right. He st- he fell asleep at like the first hour. Well, didn't yeah. you watch it at like, like didn't you start it at midnight or something stupid like yes. that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it didn't get its fair shake. That's fair. All right. Is it uh, Riley? Your turn? Is it to me? Um, if Jeff just went, then I've yes. done two already. Oh yeah, it is me. Um, I will go with the Revenant. Similar time period. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can do a whole right. episode just on the bear fight. That's <laughs> um, my third pick in uh, this round of who the hell is this for? I'm gonna take. So it's tough. There are two John Carpenter movies that I want to pick for this. And I, so I was thinking the thing because of the isolation aspect and people not trusting each other, but I'm actually going to go with in the mouth of madness, uh, which has a great Sam Neill performance of him just absolutely losing his mind. That's a good pick. That's a good one. There's another softball with those same, uh, those same qualifications, uh, that's still on the board. I'm not going to take the bait. I'm going to do my own one. Um, I'm going to do another A24 feature. Um, First Reformed. Um, okay. Is similar similar in tone, but maybe more similar in how the movie moves. So a lot of build, um, a couple of scenes that are like completely like fantasy fantastic that don't like quote unquote fit with the rest of the movie and then an absolutely bonkers ending um and i don't think that's a spoiler to say that about first reformed but mm-hmm. if you guys have you guys either one of you seen that i have not i need to get around to it it's in the library i'd put that above what else did i tell you to watch um, Snowpiercer. snow piercer okay. oh uh, they're probably even snow piercer is more entertaining all the way through first reformed is good because of what it does Snowpiercer has Chris Evans being handsome, right? Correct. And Tom okay, Holland, that, isn't it? There, there we go. That's the selling point. 
And Ed Harris is a bad guy. So. Oh, fuck you. Sold. I need to watch this movie. Riley, pick number three, and then we'll get out of here. All right. Well, I'm going to go with my final pick, a Willem Dafoe-heavy movie. Um, really shows his character acting. You're going to fucking do and it. And that is Spider-Man 2002. <laughs> Perhaps Willem Dafoe's best performance. <laughs> what a perfect note to end on. That So that's pretty solid. Overall, we, we all really, really enjoyed this movie, and getting to talk about it is probably the most fun part about this movie. Well, I look forward to getting to watch it with you guys. So Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Might, might have to record a commentary track when that happens. Um, but anyway, next week, so when we, we have to do some housekeeping, we had talked about doing Jexy. <laughs> Jexy has uh, not done well at the theaters and has already been pulled. So Catherine has instead selected Stick It to review next week, which is going to be great. It's a beloved early 2000s classic. I, is, I knew you'd be a fan of that one, Riley. Where can I watch Stick It? That's what we're not sure. We still got to figure that out. I'm sure there's some way to do it. I'm sure it's is about it $3 a, somewhere. Is it a Disney com? Uh, no, I think that's a ABC. Well, I guess ABC Family <laughs> is technically Disney. I don't, Will I don't it be know, on Disney man. Plus? I think is what it's asking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna have to talk about the Mandalorian next week. See, I don't know if I want to get Disney Plus. To be totally honest, there's I, I almost I own everything that I think I would want to see from Disney or Star Wars or Marvel. So I'm not sure if I'm gonna have a use case to get it until like the Mandalorian's completely out. Like, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to... See, I like the it. weekly release structure, so I want to be a part of that. And I, I want to Because I'm digging through, that with Watchmen. I want to binge through Spider-Man, the animated series, so... Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe a, uh, a group login we could discuss. See, I don't know if we... Oh, uh, see, I'm sorry, Jeff, that's illegal. down on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't break the law here, Jeffrey. I'm not about to spill right. my beans. <laughs> <laughs> with that...